Are we engaging in an uncivil war? Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny here, and this is another episode of Pushback. It is uh, my pleasure to come before you again this week uh, to really talk about what's on my heart and certainly the current issues that are affecting us today. You know, as you are well aware, uh, President Biden is pushing forward a vaccine mandate. And I will reiterate my position on this that I have said over and over again. I am not in favor of the government mandating vaccines. Now, I am in favor 100% of getting the vaccine. And you can go back and listen to my podcast, Facts About the Vax. I have series of podcasts where I lay out my medical, personal opinion regarding vaccinations. But for the government to intervene and to mandate vaccines, I believe is a major overreach. And I do not support that at all. Now, I do support businesses and private entities uh, mandating that for their employees to keep fellow employees and clients safe. I think that's reasonable. Uh, But for the government uh, above, I I actually see it as weak leadership. A strong leader would make the case for the vaccine and allow the citizenry then to choose for themselves. And if they feel like they need to mandate it, it's actually a failure of persuasion (laughs) and a failure of information and a failure of education. And so I believe it's actually a sign of weak leadership to actually bring mandates upon people. Now, it's not unprecedented, believe it or not. It's not illegal, as far as I can tell but I believe it is a sign of a weak leadership position. And again, I would be an advocate for the vaccine for everyone. I believe it's the answer to this pandemic, and I believe it would bring it to an end. But I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, Before I get into my topic of the day, I do want to mention that my dear friend Paul Gazelka, um, who we have known for years, has made the brave decision to run for governor of the state of Minnesota. Now, my goal of this podcast is not to endorse a specific candidate, but I would like to tell you that he's a friend and that I'm proud of him for taking a stand because it is not for the faint of heart to enter into the realm of politics. And I would encourage you to look at Paul's record. I would encourage you to do the work to lean into who you may or may not vote for so that you can make an informed decision. That's what this podcast is about. So, Paul, I tell you that I'm proud of you. I thank you for making the decision for us and for our families to represent us. And I know uh, from a personal standpoint, as a friend, that you're doing this because you are called and it is a mission. Otherwise, why in the world would you do it? It has to be a calling. 
and it is for him. You know, it's interesting. We uh, were invited to the state capitol uh, to uh, be there when Paul made his announcement. It was an honor to be invited. And we were at the rotunda of the state capitol, my wife and I, as well as our two youngest children. And what an experience it was. It was democracy in action. And, and it wasn't lost in the fact that the Governor Walls, his office was down the hallway as, as Senator Gazelka was making his speech. And that's how democracy works. It's sometimes awkward and uncomfortable, but we are able to stand in a public place in freedom and voice our opinions openly. It's interesting, though, I, I looked for the video on YouTube afterwards because we couldn't always hear exactly the questions that were being asked him. And it was interesting to see his YouTube video and some of the comments underneath the YouTube video, um, some of them were extremely mean-spirited. And I'm thinking culturally, you know, what is going on? Here's a man who you do not have to agree with his policies. You do not have to even like him as a person. But the mean vitriol, this, the, this, the mean-spirited comments that were given at the bottom doesn't accomplish anything other than create a culture of division and a culture of pain. You know, we also celebrated, <laughs> celebrated is not the right word, we acknowledged uh, and honored the events of 9-11 this last week. You know, I remember it well. Most of us who are old enough remember where we were when it happened. And what I remember afterwards, the aftermath of 9-11, the days that followed, there was an incredible amount of unity in the midst of crisis. Sometimes crisis does that. It unifies us. But my friends, I believe that we are in a crisis now, and it's called COVID-19, and there are different opinions, and there's there's different things that are being thrown at us. There's, there's divisiveness and, and differences of opinion in our country. But we have to remember who the enemy is. COVID-19 is the enemy, and I don't believe there is one American citizen who wants COVID-19. I think we all want it to go away and be done with. Now, we have differing opinions as far as the means to that end. And that's okay. It's okay for us to have a civil discourse regarding crisis that we are facing without being in a civil war. Or in this case, an uncivil war. The words that we are speaking. My family and I had the privilege of driving to Virginia and going to Appomattox Courthouse. For those of you from your history classes, remember Appomattox Courthouse. It was the site of the end of the Civil War. It was one of the most moving, powerful experiences that myself and my family had have ever experienced. In fact, we have a picture on our wall that says, let there be peace, a quote from Appomattox Courthouse. You know, this was a bloody horrible, horrific civil war that just took place. It ended at Appomattox Courthouse. And there was a leader, President Lincoln, who actually had the foresight. Before Appomattox Courthouse took place, there was a meeting at a riverboat between President Lincoln and his staff, seeing that the end was coming. 
And President Lincoln had the foresight to create and have a, a cultural environment of how they were going to transition after this. And his position was that the second that the treaty was signed, the second that the war was declared ended, that we would now all become brothers. Instantly. It was one of the most incredible things because you are literally shooting at each other to try to kill each other. And then within a matter of minutes, there was a peaceful transition. It wasn't always peaceful, but there was a plan in place by our leadership that would allow a transition to take place where we would all once again become Americans. Ulysses S. Grant, we don't know whether he felt the same way as Lincoln, but he followed the commander-in-chief's orders. And as the Confederate troops laid down their arms, they were actually given a card. It was sort of a get-out-of-jail-free card that said that they would not be, be pers- uh, prosecuted and they could go home safely to their, to their families. They were given horses and mules as transportation back home. And some were even provided uh, sidearms that they could carry for their own safety and protection. It was all in place. And in fact, the Union Army stood at attention in honor as the Confederate Army laid down their weapons. It was an incredible scene. It brings tears to your eyes because it was, it was devastation, trauma, and crisis. And yet, at the end of the day, we were all Americans. My friends, we are in the middle of this now. We are divided like we were never before. At least maybe since the Civil War. Over vaccines and and viruses and abortion and politics, elections, race relationships, the economy, mandates. We are divided. And our conversation that we're having is uncivil. It's mean-spirited. And we hide behind the anonymity of the internet and social media. We think somehow, if we're not face-to-face, that we get to say whatever we want about somebody who's just running for governor or someone who disagrees with you about the mandate or the vaccine. Now, I understand it's the fruit of democracy and it's it's the fruit of freedom. I get it. And that should be celebrated. But we also have a choice. We have internal control about how we speak to one another. Our enemy is COVID. We want COVID to end. We may disagree on the best means to that end. But in the end, we're all brothers and we're all Americans. And we all want to be free of this crisis. In my podcast alone, there have been many who have not agreed with me, but have, with honor, asked questions and responded with respect. And I am so thankful to you, my listeners, because that was my heart from the beginning. And I thank you for connecting to that culture that I've created, because I am not afraid of you disagreeing with me. I believe part of my podcast is to bring information and to inform and to give a biblical Christian perspective on some of the things that are happening in this world. But even that, we may disagree on. But we can honor one another. We can have civil discussions versus an uncivil war. Now, please don't misunderstand me. It's okay to be loud. 
In fact, I've said it before, sometimes the loudest voices are the ones that get heard. And there are some things on the list that I just gave you that I'm willing to die for. But my my friends, we have to be able to scream effectively. <laughs> Screaming for the sake of screaming is just loud noise. We need to scream effectively. 1 Corinthians 13.1 Suppose I speak in the languages of human beings or of angels. If I don't have love, I am only a loud gong or a noisy symbol. The language of human beings. That's the language of persuasion. Right now, I am speaking in a language of human beings to try to appeal to your heart to, to speak. But if I'm speaking from a place other than love, then it's just gong, 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 clang, clang. That's all you hear in your ears. And that's obnoxious. I don't want my words to be obnoxious. I want my words to be loud. I want them to be effective. So it has to come from a place of love. I'm pro-vaccine. Am I angry about it? No, there's times that I'm teetering on it. (laughs) But it has to come from a place of love and you can call me out on that because my heart is to help you and to help me and to help my families and your families. That's, That's the heart. And if it isn't, then it's just simply loud noise. At the end of the day, we have to remember that we're all brothers, sisters, Americans. And so let's always keep that at the the top of our speaking points is love. And I want the best for you, not to win an argument, not to be right, but we want what's best. And we know that his ways are higher than our ways. I want to switch gears in the second half of this podcast, switch gears, but still talk about the same war. Interestingly, my wife and I have heard of many heartbreaks lately, and and I don't know what's going on, but we had an aunt that passed away on the last couple of weeks, and uh, there's been COVID losses. We've heard of marital struggles and pain, um, car accidents, um, severe sicknesses. These things are part of, of life. You know, it's interesting. I was at the state capitol, as I mentioned, and my wife and I and my kids were in the rotunda of the capitol. And around the rotunda, they have artifacts and and flags uh, from different historical aspects of the state of Minnesota. And there was a flag from the Civil War from a regiment of Minnesota. And it brought to my memory uh, another trip that our family took to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, As you may or may not know, the 1st Minnesota Infantry Regiment played a huge role in the Battle of Gettysburg. And there's actually a monument erected in Gettysburg specifically for the 1st Minnesota Infantry Regiment. Let me just read one paragraph about its historical significance. The 1st Minnesota Infantry performed one of the most critical actions of the battle during Longstreet's assault of July 2nd. Sickles Corps was falling back in disarray, and Longstreet's men were advancing to penetrate the center of the Union line, which had been dangerously thinned to prop up other sectors. General Hancock rode up to the 1st Minnesota, the only organized Union troops at hand, pointed at the advancing Confederates and ordered them to take those colors. 
Their sacrificial charge against the overwhelming odds halted the Confederate advance. It bought desperately needed time for the center of the Union line to reform. The result was that Lee was forced into one last desperate gamble the next day with Pickett's charge. We know historically that the Battle of Gettysburg was one of the biggest turning points. You know, one of the things that that always struck me is that Pennsylvania is very north. The Confederate Army was very north at the time. And sometimes we lose that in our history. The Confederate Army was doing quite well, and Gettysburg was one of the, the bloodiest, long battles of the war, but it turned the tide. And I believe that what was happening is in the center of the line, it was thinning. And if the Confederate troops were able to break the line, uh, I, I'm not a war expert, but I know that then you can start flanking uh, the other uh other lines that are there. And so it was critical to hold the line, hold this hill. I remember that I can picture it still in Gettysburg. It's not a very big hill. It's just more of like a slant, uh, but it was a critical point and a critical place in the battle. The colors referred to the, to the flags and the troops that were there weren't able to hold it. And the Minnesota regiment charged in, grabbed the flag, took the slant, that hill and charged the Confederates and they didn't do well. <laughs> They were highly outmanned, highly outgunned, and lost most of their regiment. But it bought time for reinforcements to come and build reinforcement behind that line. And I've been told and, and have heard that, you know, a perspective of living is that we are born into a battle. See, we are born and placed here on this earth for a reason, and it's to take territory for his kingdom. We're not here just to take up space. To have 70, 80 years of existence here on this earth and then call it a day? No, we're here to take territory no matter how long we live. And we're born into a battle. Now, what comes with that sometimes is loss. That's the reality of humanity. And not that I'm happy with it, not that I'm ever going to settle for that. But I believe, you know, in light of the struggles that I've been hearing, and I know this is for some of my listeners listening today, and some of you may feel like you are in what's called survival mode. And, and I, I believe, this is my opinion, that survival mode or just trying to get through the day is not a kingdom way of living. Now, there's a reality to it and there's a time for it where you're just trying to put one foot in front of the others. And I know that life can hit you so hard that, that sometimes that's all you got. But it's not a way of living. But sometimes... And this is a way of living. This is a kingdom principle. Sometimes you just simply need to hold the hill. You need to hold the hill. You need to stop the advancement of the enemy. And I've given a previous podcast before called Circle the Wagons. And, and it's, it's a similar note that sometimes there are seasons, there are hard seasons that we go through. And, it, and it's difficult. And sometimes we just simply need to hold the hill. We're not there for advancement. We're there to just wait until reinforcements arrive. Because that's how the kingdom is supposed to work. We're supposed to need each other. We're supposed to, to provide time and hold back the enemy until reinforcements arrive. And sometimes it's a season, sometimes it's a lifetime. Sometimes families and, and life situations are so hard and they're so difficult that you're just simply holding the hill. But my friends, that is part of the battle. And, and, it, and it, in the Civil War, it was that you could argue the turning point of the battle. 
that the 1st Minnesota Infantry performed one of the most critical aspects of all the Civil War because it turned the Battle of Gettysburg, which turned the Battle of the Civil War. It's just that holding that place. And my friends, you may be in that place, that place of pain, that place of sorrow, that place of hurt. And it's okay just to hold the hill. Just hold it until reinforcements arrive. It's all part of kingdom. There are others here on this earth that are here to take territory. And to much is given, much is required. And, and to those of us who are living that life where we have been given resources and, and the ability to move forward and, and, and we're surrounded by more health, then that's the time that we start taking territory. But we've all been there. We've all been in that place of loss and pain. And sometimes it's okay just to hold the hill. I just want to pray with you if that's you. If you're going through a crisis and you're getting up in the morning and you're not feeling like advancing, you're feeling like just holding things, then I'm telling you that's still kingdom and it's okay. But I want to give you some reinforcement in prayer as you listen to this podcast. So if that's you, would you just put your hand on your heart and just receive this? Heavenly Father, I just pray for any of those out there that are are living through a traumatic, trying time. Crisis, pain, loss, hurt, struggles. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit would would come and, and minister to them right now, that they would feel the strength, that even though uh, they might not be able to advance your kingdom, they're holding your kingdom, they're keeping the, the enemy from advancing and breaking through. And Lord, I just pray a prayer of protection over themselves and over their families, over the words that they say. Because sometimes in pain, Lord God, we say things that we shouldn't. And, and so, Lord, I just protect their mouth and their time together, that it would be a time of actually building and of strengthening and of courage. Lord. So Lord, I just pray that you would come by the by them right now that they would feel your presence, feel your peace, and know that you are with them and know that others are with them as well. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. I want to take just 1 minute to just thank you as my listeners for your honoring responses. I mentioned that earlier. I just want to thank you that you are willing to trust me with discussion. You know, I've only done this for a year and a half. And for many of you, it takes some time to build some trust. And, and I want to be that voice in your life. I want to be that the one that, that uh, researches some things for you, but also discusses uh, the spiritual side of where we walk. You know, we need each other. We need to reinforce each other. And so I encourage you again to go to pushbackculture.org and leave your comments, leave your questions so that we can have continued discussions. I, 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 I take them, I, I compile them, and sometimes I, I wait till I have enough to bring it into another podcast, but all your questions will be answered or will be discussed or will be responded to. 
I want to thank you for your support. I've had overwhelming, uh, even financial support. You know, it does cost money for equipment, for production, for editing processes to get these podcasts out every week. And um, I am I, asking for your continued support. You can go to pushbackculture.org. There's a donate tab there. Would you consider, if you are a listener and feel like this helps or has blessed you, would you consider just making a donation, either a one-time donation or an ongoing donation to this podcast? It would be a blessing to me and certainly an encouragement for sure. So with all that being said, I want to thank you. You know, this is about culture. This is about engaging the culture. And just like the first Minnesota infantry, it's about courage. It's about not being afraid to take up the colors and be there and be the ones that represent the kingdom. So with that being said, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.